Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Patrick Kelly, with my co-host today, Brent Aaronworth. What's up, man? Oh, not much. Just uh, another day here in, um, you know, COVID crisis, uh, I don't know, day 75 or so. <laughs> I feel like we're in Castaway, man, with Tom Hanks. We're like marking the uh, the wall of the rock with some type of other rock making chalk like day 75. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, you know, like I was telling somebody the other day, it's like we're swimming in the middle of the ocean just trying to get from um, island to island until we find a bigger piece of land to really catch our breath on and regroup. It's it's just day to day. It's crazy and not even knowing what day it is either. Yeah, exactly. But we're here to talk about the Farmers to Families box deal, man. And I have you as my co-host today because you've been a guest, you've been interviewed on the show, but realistically, this is something that you and I have both been passionate about. We've both written letters to our our state assembly leaders, our senators, um, I mean, everything up to Washington that we've done our best to try and get recognized. You've got a lot of, I would say, heat on the matter. And that's a good thing, right? I mean, there are things that we need to have exposed in our industry. And sometimes uh, people don't want to step up, man. I mean, you know the truth of the matter. Some people just don't want to be seen. So some of us have to step up and provide uh, an extra service to say, hey, wait, we need to be heard. And this Farmers to Families box deal, uh, if you listen to part one and part two, I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy how it started. And now there's going to be a potential another bid. So over the last couple of weeks, you know, since part two came out, it, you know, San Antonio catering business has had huge delays, um, you know, that everybody in the produce industry has said this thing moved way too fast. The Ben Holtz California avocados deal was revoked, but he's now actually settling with the USDA or trying to settle with the USDA. And it's just this new segment's going to start July 1st. It might go through December. I, I still always have to say, what the heck's going on, man? You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it's obviously we know I've been more vocal than anybody in this. And it's one of those, you know, if you don't stand up and fight and speak now, it's it's going to hurt everybody. And I hate to be that person. And I do want to first, you know, commend everybody that's out there taking care of there's a lot of good companies out there and there's a lot of good being done and what there is a lot of things being done behind the scenes that nobody knows about that people helping other companies fulfill these things to really make sure these boxes get to the right people so there there is a lot of good unfortunately the bad pieces are outweighing the good and i believe and want to believe the intentions were good when this came out it's just like you said it, it was rushed but I do feel um, I do feel with this round two being issued, I, I don't really think that that was supposed to happen from the way I did the bid. I believe it was kind of like if you weren't in, you when I filled out the bid, I mean, you saw it too, I believe. Didn't it say like the bid on all those sections at the same time? It did. So I, I believe this is maybe the USDA saying hey it's messed up and maybe there's not an admitting it was messed up but the important thing is that um it's we're there we're giving a mulligan here and 
whether I get that mulligan or anybody gets that mulligan, the good thing is that the industry is going to get that mulligan to do this, to have a second chance to do this right. And I think that's the most important part. And I hope that, um, you know, a lot of people are going to benefit, not, uh, not financially on this, but I hope that farmers are going to move some crops because there's still a lot of uncertainty on the volumes. I mean, I'm in Texas, you're in Florida. I'm more 50% opened up. I, I don't see the sales still at that because I think there's too many um, menu changes and they're still trying to figure out exactly what is the new norm right now. So we really need this, this box deal to kind of set some um, new things, you know, it needs to set some growth patterns and we need to figure out what the farmers need to grow for it. And we really want this program to succeed and be the future. I mean, I think that we can find federal funding within other programs to uh, support something like this, if we can really see it succeed. And I think that we have to really focus on getting it right out of the gate. I mean, I do agree. I mean, there's a lot of things that I think that were wrong with the bid. Um, but again, like I've got a call this afternoon with a grant writer because I'm having them look at the application and understand it because that's what one of these companies did. They had a grant writer, you know, fill all these things out. And I think it's important too, that as we learn and educate ourselves as well, that we need to understand a little bit better how to do these things too, because there were a lot of uncertainties in it. And you know, how many people were calling the USDA asking questions? And a lot of these questions didn't even get answered. So I think it's our job as an industry too, to come together and educate ourselves. And like I said, that's why I'm having a conversation with a grant writer to say, hey, look at this application. What do you see? Do you see any reason why it could get denied? Or do you see any, you know, any advice that you could give me? Um, you know, doing that's going to help us out in the long term and, you know, help these processes. I've got a couple guys that have reached out to, to me about uh, servicing some type of uh, product for them. And one of my buddies is, you know, servicing uh, a guy that got the bid, di, di, uh, bid deal, bid deal, right? Can't even say it. On the East Coast. And it's a good price, but it, it is. It's trimming the farmer down because now we're going through another person, giving it to another middleman to then package this stuff. And everybody has all these costs in between. But I always say as long as that, that middleman's someone that we trust and do business with. And I'm all, I'm all for that. I mean, I, I told you, I reached out to the Ben Holtz company to see if I could have a conversation with him because I mean, listen, some of these guys aren't bad guys, Brent. I mean, we just want to understand, like you said, ask a couple of questions. Hey, how did you bid this? What did you do to get this deal? I mean, collectively as an industry, right? Ask, did you bid for that four, full 40 million knowing you only do a million in business? I mean, yeah, we might ask some tough questions, but like I said, there's two sides to every story, right, dude? Exactly. And that's, um, you know, and the thing you said about the bid riders, I was, I spoke to a lot of people that did get these bids and most of them were filled out by people that were familiar with the bids. And I filled out our bid and maybe I did something wrong. Maybe I didn't cross a T or dot an I, but I purposely turned in that bid early hoping that these forms were looked at and they would come back and say hey you missed this page or this page you know like a loan document I, I there was so much money there the process had to be fluid and for everybody to miss out on technicalities like the letter that came out just it wasn't right and um, I think it kind of shows that a lot of bid writers and people that do this filled this out 
So hopefully this time around, however the bid looks, um, from my understanding, it's going to be a completely new bid. Um, that's kind of what I'm guessing, what I've heard through the grapevine. Um, and w which will be good because hopefully it'll touch, you know, even more companies. Hopefully the money will be spread out, which in turn will, you know, spread out and touch more growers. Hopefully it'll touch more families. We'll get more variety in those boxes. And hopefully the process will be a little more clear. Because, again, I think there's a lot of value to this program, but if we don't get the pro if we don't get the value shown in the program, then there's no way to prove to the federal government that it's something that we need long term because I do believe there is a there is a segue here to eliminate farmers' waste, especially in times like when markets are three and four f o b well if you have pro programs like this well now the farmer can be paid to pack that stuff and get it to the food banks as part of some form of a farmer box program or whatever they want to call it so it's um yeah have i been vocal have i been angry have i lost sleep yeah was it because i didn't get it no it was because it frustrated me that so many of us who worked our butts off and done right the things right it just it frustrated me to know that we got dumped back out there in that ocean trying to find the, you know, the next rock to swim to. Yeah, I, I agree because I mean, listen, I, I didn't get the bid. I didn't go for the bid direct. I told you the packing house that I work for and do sales with did that bid. Right. So it's interesting because it's like, people are like, why are you losing sleep over it? Why do you care so much about this? And I go, because all these people are my friends and I buy and sell with a lot of these people. And if they don't get it and we don't go after it, then we're just not doing a service to ourselves. Cause there are a lot of trade associations that I tried to reach out to. And I said, Hey, what did you tell uh, your group of industry to go, you know, for this bid? And I had one trade uh, association tell me, we told our group not to go or even participate in it. You know, our sales are just fine. We don't, we don't need this outlet. And I was like shocked because I'm like, wait a minute. So, you don't need money. You don't need sales. You don't want to grow. It almost made no sense to me. And like you said, I think this is a program that can go beyond this, right? I mean, we've all seen how the retailers and the food service companies have played a huge part in this COVID-19 error. And, you know, it's like, we're going to get through it, but also there's going to be more to come out of this. So I think that, uh, yeah, it needs to be better defined. I mean, 600 companies applied and 200 were awarded. I mean, is that the proper percentage, right? I mean, look at that percentage of numbers from how many companies were awarded, but then so many companies were awarded such a high number in the most populated areas, right? Like you said, there was a couple of them on there. You were like, I can't believe they gave it to one person in Houston, or I can't believe we gave it to one person. So um, I agree. I mean, there's got to be something done and we have to work together to get it done. Yeah. And the other, what the other thing you're saying, so let's, Let's take that um, that black eye market right now, San Antonio. So there was $40 million awarded in that market. Right now, a box hadn't been delivered in that market by that contract. So really, where does that $40 million go? Because other, when we go back about how the funds were spread out, so now other markets, 
and I, I can speak to this firsthand because I've had to broker, you know, not making a penny on this and call people and navigate loads into San Antonio for this company to get that area covered that now at some point, the other companies that are covering this are going to run out of funding. Am I correct? That's what because I was they're, they're covering. They would. Yeah. So now what's hap- what you're going to have happen here is about June 15th, you know, the 20th, some of these companies have either, you're going to have two things happen here. Some companies have undersold whatever they were granted. And some companies have oversold because they're filling inefficiencies in other areas. Because again, the way this program was structured, just because you were granted X amount of dollars, you still had to go find segues to get those boxes and distribute them, which was what all the narratives were about. And we have a dude here in San Antonio who still has no infrastructure, has not delivered a box, has now, if you go read some of the Reddit articles that I'm seeing come up that aren't even from our industry, has a history of horrible government scams. Now you got something worse, but you got a guy that you spoke of earlier, Ben Holtz, who actually had a company. We don't know if he bit off more than he could chew, but what he was, he gets his yanked away. But yet we still have, like, again, we have one that hadn't even delivered a box and we're two weeks in and there's still no sign of delivering a box, you know, because, and, and I've heard, heard, you know, through the grapevine of unreasonable demands that he's asked of subcontractors and stuff. And like I said, unfortunately there's other companies that are robbing from Peter to pay Paul per se on having to allocate these boxes out. That's just not right. And um, we have to get this right. And we have to identify the uh, process for how we screen these things because it clearly wasn't uh, done in a reasonable fashion. And, um, you know, I think the blame game's done. I think now the focus is on how to do it right the next go round. Exactly. And that's why I think it's important to hear from someone like Ben Holtz as well, because someone that won a bid, let's find out, did you buy that more than you could chew? He's going to find out, we can find out. And then on top of that, now it's like, Hey, how hard is this to that? You got this revoked. I mean, they could have went back to him and said, hey, we're only going to give you $4 million or $5 million, and we're going to spread this thing out to a few other guys, right? I mean, because you know there was plenty of other people in California uh, that could have done this deal as well. Now, again, not bashing against Ben Holtz, but again, there's two sides to every story. He's going through issues now, just like we were going through issues in the beginning. And again, how many of people in our industry just believe we just moved too fast on this. And if you go all the way back to part one on this, we talked about these companies that were getting awarded and we were like, wait a minute, government scams, what political identities, uh, bankruptcy, fraud. We were like, what is going on? And then we're like, and then all of a sudden they start this company, create a meal. And then all of a sudden, PACA is now issuing licenses and the fastest I've ever seen PACA licenses issued in my, uh, I would say my tenure in the produce industry, because it's, it's funny, man. I mean, you apply for those licenses. It takes a long time. How many times do you get on the phone and call the USDA? And when you're applying for a new license, you're like, here we go. This could be a six to 12 week process. Yeah, no, now it took me six months to get one for my cold storage. 
facility, and yet this guy gets one in three days. And I, you know, this this guy he needs to graciously hand back that contract so they can allocate those funds to the current people that have it, so that way other people, you know, are not shorted that um, those products. And you know, the other thing we're seeing now, I'm sure as you know, in the citrus is what's happened to the citrus market now. It's going up, right? It's funny because I keep watching that and I think that, you know, Paul Manfrey said this back in, uh, geez, what was it? Episode four. But he said, you know, people are getting a lot of new sales that they've never had before. He goes, well, a lot of these people's sales have always been like this, right? So what's interesting is, is our sales are still steady. Like I told you, status quo, we have to sell this many million cases, no matter what. Now, yes, is there groves out there not getting picks or more people picking? Is demand going up? Because again, the, there's not many bags going. So there's more large fruit going to the stores. Uh, vitamin C, because obviously vitamin C is fighting uh, you know, the immune system. All fun things that you could think about with citrus. Yes. So demand is skyrocketing. Um, we believe that the naval crop's going to end early. Then the Valencia crop's going to end early. So you know what I mean? Yes, I, yes. But on another note, I, I see a lot of times that this crop moves, right? The citrus crop does move at a good pace unless it's a really huge over 100 you know, million box crop. But you know what I'm saying, Brent? It's like um, the crop's moving, not like other, you know, other problems or other... Um, it's just the demand. Well, the demand it's, the demand's the same. This, this, the way the products are spread out now is is yeah, changed it's just been diverted diverted a little bit outlets are outlets are a little bit different right i mean at this time we'd still be sending really small fruit to food service companies that we're not right now right that would go to um the cruise ship lines right all those different guys and we're not it, which is why the guys like um the strawberry guys have really been left out of this box program from what i understand and talking to a lot of them because a lot of people didn't put strawberries or any kind of berry in their box they were kind of cautiously you know, gun shy about pricing. Well, as we get into June and July, which is peak season for strawberries, you know, there's no cruise ships are one of the top pullers of strawberries in the nation. You know, chains such as Cheesecake Factory out there, big pullers, they're not there. You know, and what's these strawberries need to be in these boxes. So I'm hoping, you know, in round two, when uh, the whole new bid comes out, that guys like that get in there i've heard the tree fruit guys really hurting right now um and need to be in these boxes um they've gotten pretty aggressive on pricing so i'm hoping that round two is really going to have better parameters um i'm hoping they're gonna you know only put people that are in the industry in it um you know if somebody wants to use somebody to write a bid that's a bid writer you know that's for them to decide. I don't know what those guys even charge or take, but I think somebody has to actually subcontractors are okay. But I think the first person that signs up for the bid, I think they need to have a true warehouse food safety and the capability to distribute. And then you can have a subcontractor down from there. If maybe you're trying to reach a bigger area that you don't maybe go to. I a hundred percent agree. Well, man, uh, let, let's do this. Let's have part four coming up next. This is great information for everybody in our industry. I mean, think about it. We need to get some of these other guys on the line so we can chat with them, 
And I think that's the next step because I want to see where this thing goes. I mean, the first part is already over with, right? We've seen, like I said, things get revoked, things get awarded that shouldn't have, letters go out, Congress get involved, you know, senators get involved. So now it's like, okay, we, we made the noise. It happened. So now the next, the next phase is coming out. So let's see where we go from here. So Brent, I do appreciate you coming on today. I do appreciate your, uh, I would say your leadership within our industry. And we get a lot of feedback uh, when we get you on talking about some of the things that need to happen in the industry. So I do thank you for co-hosting with me today, man. No, no, I appreciate it. And um, thanks for doing what you're doing. And we're going to get to the bottom of this. And the industry is going to rise stronger. And because of all of the grassroots noise that we're making, they're listening. And that's why we wouldn't be able to do it without, you know, people chattering. And I always tell people, you know, don't be afraid to speak up. Constructive criticism is good. And if you don't speak up, things can't be done right. And nobody's ever going to do anything perfect. But we can't address the things if nobody says anything. So, you know, everybody just got to be afraid to sometimes speak up. Don't worry about it going to hurt your image because you may get hurt a lot worse down the road by not speaking up yeah i was going to say your image your pocketbook everything gets affected when you don't when you stick your head in the sand right so uh brent we're going to have part four coming up soon we're going to cut a couple more guys on the line and if you're interested in getting on the produce industry podcast and talking about this box deal with us we'd love to have you on again be humble be cool be respectful, but again, shout your opinion. We want to hear it on here. So the more we can get together, the more people will listen and we will come together and unite as an industry. And if you want to support the Produce Industry Podcast, uh, check out our support page on Anchor. So Brent, we'll see you on part four, man. All right, take care, man. Take it easy. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.